I think another one that I haven't mentioned is uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, who owns the Chicago White Sox. That's right. That's right. Bulls, and he has been. I I, I can't explain how we have remained friends. I can't understand it. Wow. I don't know what happened, but it has. And I think that is he is another one that, from a loyalty standpoint, has built yeah. an organization, has built two professional sports organizations based yeah. on that loyalty being a pillar of right. a foundation for him with respect to that. That's um, wild. Welcome to the Whole Student Podcast with Cal Balavan. Whole Student refers to the magical moment when a student is fully seen, heard, and known. This is a spark of a relationship between student and teacher, where the former is catalyzed on a journey beyond what they thought possible, and the latter is a proud advisor cheering from the sidelines. The Whole Student Podcast asks guests to reflect back to their moment, to the person who became a transformative teacher in their lives, and on the journey they were set upon. Our guest today is Grady Hall. Grady Hall is a former baseball player from Noblesville, Indiana, who starred at Northwestern before being drafted 20th overall by the White Sox. After an eight-year pro career, Grady founded the educational nonprofit Score with School, a behavior-based incentive program that partnered with the Chicago White Sox and Chicago Bulls to provide teachers in inner-city elementary classrooms the motivational materials they need to reward positive participants in the classroom. After graduating from Northwestern's Kellogg School of Management, he went on to found the strategy consulting group iSpy, which focused on developing inter internet strategies for brands such as HP, Gap, and Bank of America. He aggressively took up writing as a hobby, which led to both screenwriting and his children's book series titled On the Trail with Seymour Snail, a series focused on promoting outdoor activities. The first film based on one of his scripts, a baseball story called Winter Ball, is currently receiving claim on the film festival circuit and seeking distribution. It is my pleasure to invite Grady Hall to the Whole Student Podcast. Grady, how you feeling? I feel good, Cal. Yeah. I feel better okay. after that. that sounded really good. <laughs> hey, I, I want to do, do do you justice. I, you know, I had to cut back on your bio a little bit. There's a lot there, but I wanted to give the highlights. Highlights you yeah. hit. I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Grady, I'm gonna jump right into it. Uh, can you take us back to the the person you were as a student, what words would you have uh, used to describe yourself as a student? Uh, restless would be would be one mm. word I would use. Um, I think I was always staring out the window most of yeah. the time. Uh, yeah. And I, I think early on, I did what I needed to do to get by and did fairly well in school, but probably didn't apply myself as well as I should have early on. Oh, fair enough. Always, I was always daydreaming and looking outside and, and thinking about what I could do when I got out there, which was mainly baseball, to be honest. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, so there was a moment uh, in your learning career when you were a student that you felt seen, heard, and known. Can you set the stage for us? When, when was that that you first felt that? Well, I, I think it. I think it actually happened in like different stages. Um, yeah, talk talk to us about that. I think most of the time. And I'll talk about like, you know, Mrs. McNish in third grade okay. uh, was sort of the first teacher I felt like listened to me. You know, even though I might be daydreaming outside, I felt like she actually understood the daydreaming side of me. And, oh, wow. And, uh, and and didn't didn't dissuade it. She was very much encouraging of it. And I think she thought there was some foundation there that had some wow. sense 
of knowledge, but you know that the daydreaming side was something that shouldn't be dismissed, as it was in other classrooms. So, right, right. What what subject did Mrs. McNish teach? She's in third grade, so she got to teach all of them. Got it, got it, got it. And so, uh, did you ever stay in touch with Mrs. McNish over the years? You know, we moved around a lot when I was a kid. We probably moved seven times uh, throughout my childhood, so it was hard to keep in touch with anybody. Uh, okay. We moved. We moved back to the town where I was in third grade, which was in Ohio, and uh, ended up, you know, finding Mrs. McNish again randomly. Uh, my parents had ran into her, like in the grocery store or something, and I think we actually had dinner one night. Wow. So, pretty interesting. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing! Yeah. Oh, and did you? Well, I, and did you share with her what you were doing in life? Did was she surprised? Was she like, "I saw that. I saw that was going to happen." Or well, I think it, was, it was definitely a happy reunion. Yeah, because it was like great to see her, and it was she was like happy to see me again. I wasn't. I was probably in seventh grade at that point, so I wasn't wow. that much old, older where I sort of matured in anything uh, of, <laughs> of value. Um, wow! So. That part was yet to become. I don't know if she. I have no idea what's up with Mrs. McNish right now, though. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So you said stages. So you had her yeah. way back when you were in elementary school. What's the What's the next stage of your life? When When you feel uh, that again? I think high school. High school was 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 a critical stage in terms of my uh, baseball. Um, I got think it, got it. when I met a gentleman uh, named Don Dunker. Uh, who was basically a what we we called in the day a bird dog? He was a bird dog scout for the Cincinnati Reds. So okay, what bird dog, what bird dog scouts did is they went out into the hinterlands of America and mm -hmm. tried to find talent that probably would not have been put on the radar. Mm -hmm. And so, Coach Dunk was the first the first guy outside of like the school world who was like really showing attention with respect to what yeah. he could be as a as a ball player um wow and it it was he it's hard to say how i how i phrase this because he was such a baseball guy all he cared about was baseball and i think one of the things wow. that i learned from him was passion was not just passion for baseball but passion for anything that you want to apply yourself to wow and, and he he just he was always on the field. He was always manicuring the field. He was always yeah. hitting on balls. He was always yeah. finding catchers for me. And you know, I played for him for probably two or three summer seasons. Wow. And he just I, I think he literally elevated my approach to the game because of the, he loved baseball. And I you and I have talked about the key element with respect to love and joy when you apply yourself to something. Yeah. Yes, and yes. I, I think Coach Dunk was one of the first ones that, not intentionally too, because this isn't the way Dunk uh, talked. Dunk did not talk about these things in those terms. Okay. But just, just through action. It was it was so evident huh. that he loved the game the way he did. Um, and it got interesting. Oh, so I'm, I'm curious. Were you, in those two years, you're mm -hmm. going through this, you're, you're with Coach Dunk, as you see his passion shown in the way in which he's interacting with baseball were you were you emulating him were you copying him or was he drawing something out of you or both no i think i think it was the latter he was definitely drawing it out of me okay, okay. um i you know 
and I, I love Dunk, obviously. And Dunk yeah, is yeah. And like one of the fields back in Noblesville is named after him, which is great. Um, wow. But I never thought that I would be him. I never thought that I would end up wow. as a bird scout, you know, a, do- a bird dog yeah. scout back right. in right. You know, Noblesville, Indiana. Um, I knew amazing. it was the world and I wanted to see a lot of it. But but what I did take from him is what his his passion was giving to me. I definitely took that in. Hmm. Yeah. Can, can you share can you share a coach dunk story uh that that you know, touches on that um it's it's yes and i think it was we were we were in fort wayne so we had traveled you know two hours for an away tournament i was playing up in age i was like playing with guys huh. two, two three years older than i was okay. um and so it was my first big like tournament being yeah being being not in at home and also being with guys i didn't know and guys that were older than me and mm-hmm. um he just he just called me put me aside before i went out to pitch and he's like don't pay attention to anything else hmm. and I was like, what do you mean he's like look these guys are older than you they're bigger than you they're yeah, stronger yeah, than you yeah. that doesn't matter that doesn't matter wow. so okay. but, and again it was very simple dunk was a very simple man and and part of part of my message here in this is I, I talked about our, I thought about our, our conversation was was the value of simplicity when it comes yeah. to education and learning. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Dunk was such a vivid ex- example for me of that because his whole point was it's as simple as throw the ball, catch the ball. Do wow. not make it's more than it is. And, you know, ironically, it, it helped me, like it cleared my, my mechanism. It cleared my brain, yeah. all yeah, the other yeah, yeah. bringing into it. Um, so that's wonderful. It, it's interesting because in that story, I'm visualizing it. I'm seeing you for Fort Wayne. I'm seeing, I'm seeing all this. And, and I'm, I'm, what I'm seeing is he, coach dunks asking you to focus in, but when he's doing that, he's actually focusing on you. Yes. As and I, I, yeah. I was, that was like the first time I felt like he was the one that was, was placing his bets on me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so exactly. There, yeah. there, there came after the fact, you know, not during the tournament, but after the fact, there came this, this sort of responsibility to make sure I, I fulfilled that, that faith that he was putting okay. in me. So, so coach, coach Dunk, uh, in that relationship, uh, you stay in touch. Yeah, what, what, we did for a while. Dunk passed away probably like 10, oh. 15 years ago. Um, oh. he was old, you know, he had yeah, a great yeah, life. Yeah. And again, his was a baseball man's life. It was, it, okay. you know, it was beautiful in that sense. He yeah. did exactly yeah. what he wanted to do. So love that it. was the other thing that I loved about Dunk is like, he was doing what he wanted to do. Wow. Which all impact. All right. Uh, wow. Yeah. Um, let's take us to uh, the third stage. Well, who do you, who do you have? Who do you have next for us? Well, I, I think this, this next, um, gentleman and friend probably had the most influence on my life, uh, mm. than anybody else. And that was my, my college coach at Northwestern, who was Ron Wellman. Um, wow. Ron was, it was interesting because he wasn't that much older than we were at the time. You know, he was probably yeah. 33, 34, you know, we're coming in 19, 18 years old. Yeah. yeah. Felt ancient to us uh, at the time. 
uh, <laughs> looking back, yeah. you sort of understand like he wasn't really that. So I think there was an ability for him to communicate with us. But I think what he did was he taught us so many valuable lessons in terms of what operating within a team means. Right, right, right. Team, and also breaking us down and building us back up again. Um, That's right which were great, great lessons for me to understand, like where, where you put your own barriers, yeah. what you're able to do, and then how yeah. you do those barriers to become more than you actually probably thought you could be. Um, wow. And, you know, a lot of this was a lot of this was through like physical demand. Um, okay. <laughs> but, it, it also, but there was also a component of it that was like reinforcing the, the team dependency in, in mm. that aspect, you know, we, he was always having the, like, he was always putting the burden on the folks that probably weren't as talented as the other ones. And so mm. we, had, we had, we then had to, you know, bond together yeah. and pull together and get everybody through, uh, through the system and not just, you know, not just a few handful of people. And right, I know right, you right. talked a little bit about, you know, the definition of program and that's right. He, he went on to become the athletic director at Wake Forest for a number of years and recently just retired. Right. And so I think one of the things that he has instilled in a lot of his former players who are still very yeah. good friends of his is yeah, that yeah. is that sense of, of, of team, is that sense of loyalty um, yeah. that, that I think plays out in any aspect of, of involvement. It doesn't really matter whether wow. you're a team or not. You, you are in a sense of that's a powerful outcome of the educational experience. You're the first person to talk about that word loyalty and mm. what it could mean, the implication of that. Yeah, it's powerful. Yeah. Wow. It's wow. been that's been a it's it's interesting because that's been a very strong mechanism for me from yeah. that standpoint on. And I've I've noticed that the people I have remained closest to throughout my life, there is yeah. sort of mutual acceptance. Uh, or mutual understanding of, of the sense of loyalty without being spoken. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And you learned it in, it's interesting, you learned it not just as a concept, but you, it was Im embodied. There was a physical yeah. component to it. I, I, there's, there's something powerful to that. Yeah. Um, I think a right, lot so of when we talk about it and none of us were, you know, luckily never had military experience, but we would hear oh, yeah. from fathers in terms of whether they were in the Korean War or the Vietnam War, but right, right. a lot of what we talk about seems to correlate with their experience in the military. And, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You, know, you push yourself wow. through situations with people, you know, those yeah. people that are bonded to you for life. That's right, that's right. So, wow, really, wow. really interesting relative to that. So um, you said stages. Is there is there another stage after college for you in relationship to how your career shapes? Uh, we have teachers in our lives beyond school. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think uh, I, I had a lot of I had a lot of great coaches um, when I was playing professional ball. That I, I would say I would I would take them in pieces and aspects of yeah. their <laughs> yeah uh, sure. Were, were, were great if you put them in a, a single embodiment of a coach. Um, right, right. I think one of the folks that had the most impact on me probably approached it from a more unorthodox component of it and operated very much from the, like a very like Zen Buddhist 
application mm. to your not obviously not only your baseball but your life. <laughs> and we did a lot of he and we sort of became kindred spirits because I took to this very quickly. Um, wow. I found it fascinating, not only from an application to baseball, you know, it's like the Zen and the art of archery, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. relative to that and, and how that application is, is sort of appropriate from a sports standpoint, but obviously has life implications beyond that. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, and wow. so that was that Rick Peterson was, was his name. He was my coach in double A for a very wow. short period of time, actually. Uh, but felt like he was there for five years. Um, oh my god! Okay, okay. So okay. it was it was really interesting. The books we would read, the things we would talk about, how they would apply to pitching. Um, but hmm. honestly, I took that much further and applied it to an you know the aspects of life. Give so, give give us a give us an example of one of those books. Uh, well, there's Zen and the Art of Archery is a great book. Okay. Okay. Um, the the Inner Game of Tennis. Is another great okay. book. Uh, okay. To all of this, the opening wow. line. I think, if I remember right, the opening line in the inner game of tennis is that nobody has to face down a saber-toothed tiger anymore. Okay. So in our in our in our DNA in our makeup, we still have yeah. you know cavemen yeah. reflexes. Of um, course. And we, you know, it's the the fear or flight thing, the fight or fight or flight mentality when you face fear. Right. Um, and when you're in sport or engaged in a competition, you know, you either channel that into a positive way or it takes you over in a negative way. Right, right, right. So being able to control that fight or flight mentality in a, in a competitive sense is, is powerful. And you yeah, sort of, yeah. you, you don't let the, you don't let the moment get bigger than you are in that. That sense. makes sense. That makes sense. So, um, when, uh, then in the art of motorcycle maintenance, was another yeah. great book. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's awesome. And unorthodox. I like that. Yeah. Um, so one of the questions I've asked every guest uh, in the season has been um, around uh, the folks in their lives and bringing them together. And so the way I phrase it, um, you know, to, you know, to acknowledge what you've said is that, you know, you have shared parts of your story that's gonna, you know, have people reflecting and thinking about the people in their lives and noticing those people in their lives today. And if I gave you a magic wand and you can just flick it and five of your teachers in life would just show up to a meal, yeah. who would they be? Yeah. Uh, uh, I, uh, one of which, two of which I, who I haven't talked about yet are one might, and I'm going to put them in as a single unit, but my parents. Um, ah, okay. I think, I think, you know, I know from a traditional standpoint, like they're not necessarily teachers, but to me, they're the folks that you learn the most from pro mm. and con. Um, okay. I think you take a lot of lessons from your parents uh, that I, I think some of them are taught unintentionally. Okay. And my, my dad, for example, worked for the same company for, you know, 47 years and yeah. Un, unbeknownst to him, I think, and we'll see if he sees this and says anything. Um, but I think he taught both my brother and I the 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 sort of the importance of joy. Yeah, and yeah. the importance of joy in your work because there were definitely times we did we didn't think he was very happy. Oh wow! Um, 
And he made sure to make us, I remember he sat us down one time and he came home from work and I, you could tell he just had, had, had been run through the ringer kind of thing. And he sat us, us both down in the bedroom and was like, look, I don't care what you do. I don't care if you guys are trash men. If you love what you do, do it. You know, he probably doesn't mm. even remember giving that speech, to be honest with you. But wow, I know it wow. both my brother and I, because um, from a very early age, the only thing I can remember my brother reading were books about presidents. And he ends up going into politics and, you know, has wow. worked in for over 20 years now. Wow. Um, my 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 passions seem to continue to jump from space to space, but I'm <laughs> chasing them. Yeah, um, well, I think there's that. Yeah, and, and my mom, from that standpoint too, I, I think that gets back to the loyalty thing. I think she was the one that was sort of the anchor of the family, and you were, you know, you were in this family, and you were you, you were in your her loyalty to her faith and her loyalty to her family were two yeah. lessons that were just so vivid to us wow. growing. Uh, wow. So I think the people that I, my parents would be at the dinner. I think another one that I haven't mentioned is uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, who owns the Chicago White Sox. That's right. That's right. The Bulls, and he has been. I, I I can't explain how we have remained friends. I can't understand it. Wow. I don't know it happened, but it has. And I think that is he is another one that, from a loyalty standpoint, has built yeah. an organization, has built two professional sports organizations based yeah. on that loyalty being a pillar of right. uh, foundation for him with respect to that. Um, That's wow. Wow. And so he would be there. Uh, I'd, I'd bring back Dunk. Coach Dunk would be would be there. And I think it would be entertaining to have Wellman would be there. And if I could find Mrs. McNish, I would have Mrs. McNish come just because I of love it. He's up to. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I can tell by the smile on your face, you know, the, the power of these individuals in your life, you know, yeah. and this, you know, and the, and the love uh, you have for them and that, and they set you on a path. And, yeah. uh, I, you know, we created this show to inspire young people uh, to notice the teachers in their lives, to inspire folks, uh, to think back to those people that had impacted them in their lives. If they, mm -hmm. if they're no longer students, so they don't see themselves as students anymore. And so uh, it's really touched a lot of folks. Uh, it's our, you didn't know this, but this is our last episode of season one. And the mm -hmm. reason I, I wanted you on this particular episode is that um, I'm seeing season two uh, having a theme come together for me around entrepreneurship. Uh, and what you haven't shared so much, uh, a little bit in your intro, is that not only are you a person that pursued baseball, you pursued helping students in schools, you pursued uh, different opportunities that came your way, but you're a person who's taking your creativity and you're out there, you're selling your story, you're sharing it with the world. And uh, the story currently that you are pushing uh, and putting out there is Winterball. And could you do a plug here? Talk to us about Winterball. Uh, that's very nice. Thank you. Winterball is, um, well, in its physical sense, it's, a, it's now a movie that... Yeah. I wrote and directed. We shot it in the Dominican Republic. It's about a a minor league baseball player that thinks he's going to the big leagues, but instead gets sent to the Dominican Republic to find his baseball heart. Um, the, not to give it away, but the movie to me is more of an exploration of a culture than it is about baseball. Baseball right. is just a mechanism through which we tell the story. Right. Uh, and I ended up spending some time in the Dominican Republic. The people there and the culture amazed me. The joy wow. that they have there for life uh, their ability to celebrate 
life despite their circumstances of life um, is nothing short of amazing. Uh, they are the fastest to party. They're the first to dance. They learn to dance before they learn how to walk there. Wow. Uh, and my, my thesis, I think, in the underlying story of it is that that cultural component of it influences how they play the game. Wow. And it makes them better ball players because of it. Wow. I, that what's, that, I think that's why they are probably, you know, the best source of major league talent in the world. Um, and, and there's a love interest. So, but it, it was fun, fun. I love doing it. It, uh, I can't think of a more sort of, uh, vulnerable or expressive way to tell a story than through film. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. uh, it's, it's really fascinating. The business side of it, you know, I'm just now getting into, which isn't a ton yeah. of fun yet, but I'm sure at some point it will be. <laughs> uh, right, 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 right. But the development of it to see, to see words come to life, uh, yeah. through, through actors, through characters is, is I, it's a thrill. It's an absolute thrill. Wow. So well, everyone listening to this podcast, <laughs> winter ball, you got to watch it. Right. Yeah. Um, Grady, uh, I really appreciate you having walked into my life uh, as I've come into this valley and uh, for being a guest on this show, sharing your whole student journey. Uh, I want to thank you for your spirit, your story, your time. Appreciate you much, brother. My honor, my friend. It's so good to have you in the valley. Yeah. I love where yeah. you have the positivity you bring into this place I don't, is undeniable. So you are you are on a great road, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll end by saying, as we have said on all of our episodes here, class dismissed. So there you have it. We've come to the final episode of season one. The Whole Student Podcast has been brought to you in partnership with Duncast and produced by J.D. Scroggin, the Director of Marketing and Communication at the Dunn School and co-produced by Brandon Scott of Comfort Food. You can subscribe to The Whole Student Podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe today. Class dismissed. <laughs>